Good morning and Happy New Year. And I am not the special music. <laughs> so would you please join me in the prayer for elimination? God, who is the light of the epiphany, this day reveal your salvation to the poor who hunger for your nourishment, to the seekers who travel across deserts for your drink, to us gathered here who desire you. Let the light of Epiphany reveal your salvation this day through the one who saves us, Jesus Christ. Amen. The scripture lesson today comes to, to us from the second chapter of Matthew, verses 1 through 15, and then 19 through 23. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, Judah for, for for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, and it stepped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Continuing in, at verse 19 through 23. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, 
and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judah in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as Peter mentioned, my name is Paul Myler. I'm a former pastoral intern here and in seminary right now, taking classes, learning a lot. And when I first started, uh, you know, with the pastoral intern thing, I thought I wouldn't like preaching very much. It's not really my, my thing. But I've actually found out that I, I enjoy it quite a lot. And the paradigm that I, kinda, I think about is I think about a family meal where we all gather around and we gather around the Word. And the preacher's job, I think, is to point out the various dishes on the table and go, ooh, ooh, try some of that. Or that thing with the marshmallows on top, that's delicious. And so I think that's, that's kind of what the pastor's role is. And so I like that. I like that role. And with that in mind, let's gather around our text today. It's a text you've heard quite often, probably, the text of Epiphany, the visit of the Magi. And I want to focus on the very first question that the Magi ask. And they ask, where is this child who has been born King of the Jews? In effect, they're asking, where can we find Jesus? And what we'll find in our, in our time today is we'll find that different characters and different groups found out the answer to that question differently. And they reacted to that question very differently. And we'll look at the wise men, we'll look at Herod, and we'll look at the chief priests and the scribes. But first, I think it's, it's uh, maybe helpful to do a little recap of our story. I love this story. I love the interactions between the various groups. So it starts out, the wise men, they just show up. They just show up in Jerusalem unannounced. It's kind of like they kicked open the door to the palace. And they said, hey, where's this baby? And Herod's standing there, is very confused. He says, what baby? What are you talking about? And now the wise men's turn to be confused. They say, ooh, I'm sorry. thought someone would have told you. You know, this prophecy, the Messiah. And look, he even has his own star. And Herod goes, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Okay, well, you guys, just wait here a second. And he runs and he gets the chief priests and the scribes together. And he says, guys, guys, huddle up. Look, I've got these eastern weirdos in my lobby. And they're talking about a, a child and a messiah. And I don't know what they're talking about. And so the chief priests and the scribes, they talk amongst themselves. 
And then the head guy comes out and goes, okay, Herod, <clears throat> me and the boys have been talking, and we can help you. We can tell you that the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. I hope that helps. If there's nothing else, we're going to go back over here and be priestly. Okay? <laughs> Good. And they leave. They leave. And they leave Herod standing there, and he's stroking his beard in an evil way. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, he's the bad guy <laughs> in the story. And he says, this is bad. I can't allow this, this pretender to, the, to my throne out loose in the countryside. I've got to find this kid, and I've got to kill him. And so he, he hatches an evil plan. And he goes back to the wise men and says, Wise men, thanks for waiting. Hey, we found out that the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem. That's not too far away, no problem. So what I'd like you to do is go and find him, come back to me, tell me exactly where he is so that I can worship him. And the wise men, being wise men, kind of say, whatever, Herod. And they leave. And they continue on their search and they follow the star. And the text says, when the, the star stopped over the place where the child was, it says that they were overwhelmed with joy. I love that phrase, overwhelmed with joy. So it's Texans winning the playoffs. <laughs> overwhelmed with joy. Way up here. And they went inside the house and they found the child with his mother Mary. And the text says that they knelt down and they worshipped, and they took their gifts, and they spread them before the king. Now that's a response. Herod, if we go back to Herod, Herod didn't know the answer to the question, where can we find Jesus? But he knew who to ask. Herod was a smart guy. He was psychotic, but he was also very smart. And so he went to ask the experts, the chief priests, and they told him. But look at his response. His response is immediately to go to murder. All he could see from Jesus was that he was a threat. A political threat that needed to be eliminated. And that was it for Herod. For me, probably the most interesting uh, response is from the chief priests and the scribes. First of all, they didn't have to go looking for the answer. They knew the answer, right? The chief priests and the scribes, these, this were, these were the elite. These guys had all the resources. They had all the books. They had all the learning. They knew the scripture. They knew the prophets. So when someone asked them, where will the Messiah be born? They know. But look at their response. What is their response? They had no response. It was total indifference. Of all the people that should have been waiting and watching expectantly, it should have been these guys. And yet they didn't. So the question is why? 
it helps to know a little bit about this concept of Messiah and what that meant to them in first century Palestine. And first of all, you need to know that Messiahs were not that uncommon in this time period. What would happen, remember they're, in the, they're under occupation from the Roman Emperor, the Roman Empire, and so occasionally people would get mad enough that they would form together and they would revolt. And they would take their, their leader, whoever that was, and they would anoint them. That's what Messiah means, is anointed. And that would become the leader of this revolt. And then they'd revolt against Rome. And then Rome would come in and kill them all. So revolts, it didn't work out so good for these so-called messiahs. So one thing we may be seeing here is a little bit of skepticism on the part of the chief priests and the scribes. They've seen this movie before. They know how it ends. They don't want to get involved. And the second thing, around the concept of Messiah, there are two ideas that kind of built up around that. One is that they would be a military leader. The Messiah would be a military leader and would kick the Romans out. And the second thing is that they would be a political ruler and that they would come and reestablish the throne of David and they would reestablish the physical kingdom of Israel. So a little peasant boy from Bethlehem doesn't really fit the bill. And we'll see this disconnect between preconceived notions of the Messiah and what Jesus actually was. We'll see that play out again and again and again in Matthew. They were looking for a military leader, and they got Jesus, who said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. And they were looking for a political ruler, a king. And what they got is Jesus who said, My kingdom is not of this world. Blessed are the, blessed are the meek. The first will be last, and the last will be first. And to me, this is one of Matthew's main points. This is what he writes a lot about in his gospel. He's saying, guys, guys, look. The Messiah, we thought the Messiah was going to be like this, but he's actually like this. And guys, we thought the kingdom of God was going to be an earthly kingdom and have earthly rules, but in reality, the kingdom of God is totally different. Their value system is totally different, and it's a kingdom of the Spirit. And that's one of the reasons I like Matthew so much. So let's uh, kind of sum up. Let's see where we are right now. And to help us kind of summarize where we've been so far, I've created a chart. Because <laughs> I'm an engineer and I can't help it. <laughs> That's what I do. So here's our chart, shows the people we've been talking about and the two, the two uh, questions of how did they answer the question of where can we find Jesus and how did they respond to that. <clears throat> Notice Herod gets a frowny face for plotting murder. That is a frowny face, if you can't see it. <laughs> so the question, friends, 
is what would happen if we added chapel wood to this chart? Like that. How would we fill in those blanks? Or to say it another way, which group are we most like? And which group do we emulate? I hope we can take Herod off the board, right? Let's just take Herod out of the equation. But between the wise men and the chief priests and scribes, which one are we more like? I thought about having the Jeopardy music play <laughs> at this point, but backed out of it. I would actually maintain we're a mixture of, of both the chief priests and the wise men. And in the sense, we're chief priests and the scribes because, just like them, we've been given tremendous resources. We've been given the Holy Scripture. We've been given 2,000 years of church tradition to, to pull from. And we've been given this wonderful community of faith that's called Chapelwood, where we can talk together, discuss together, discern together. So we have a lot of resources, and a question like, where can we find Jesus, should not stump us. And indeed, our brother Matthew has help for us. He has the answer for us. Later on in his gospel, in Matthew 25, we find the famous parable of the sheep and the goats. You've heard this parable, but please listen to it with new ears. In it, Jesus has returned in glory, and he has separated his church from the non-believers. He puts the church on the right, on his right-hand side. And he says to his church, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Jesus is making a very strong claim here. He's not saying, I empathize with the poor, with the hungry, with the oppressed, as if he's over here and they're over there. He's saying, no, I am the poor, the hungry, and the oppressed. I'm in their midst. And so if we're going to be like the wise men, if we're going to search like the wise men, then we need to be able and willing to follow the Holy Spirit into some of the humblest of places. And there we'll encounter Jesus. And when we find Jesus, I hope that, like the wise men, we become overwhelmed with joy. Just the pure joy of finding Christ. And when we find Him, I hope that we'll also, like the wise men, kneel down and worship. And that we'll also take our gifts, whatever they are, gifts of charity, gifts of prayer, gifts of compassion, and will lay them before the king. That's a response. 
Now, I want to make one thing clear before I close, that this, I'm not advocating for doing more. I'm not saying that Chapelwood needs to do more, that we need one more program or we need one more thing. Because Chapelwood, I've said it before, Chapelwood actually has a long history and tradition as a missions-oriented church, and that tradition continues today. What I'm really wanting to remind us of today and remind myself of today is the why of what we do. Friends, we don't do good works here just because it makes us feel good. We don't do them so we can earn spiritual brownie points. We don't do it so we can have our name in the community. And we don't even do it because it's the right and humane thing to do, although it is. No, we do it out of of an act of worship, out of an act of response to God's love just like the wise men. This past week, I was up in Dallas taking a class on Christian mysticism. It was a strange class. (laughs) This sermon could have been very different, believe me. But one uh, one of the mystics we studied was a 14th century lady from, her name is Catherine of Siena. And something that really struck me in her writing is is the quote that I'll leave you with today. She said, love of God and love of neighbor are one and the same thing. Since love of neighbor has its source in God, the more the soul loves God, the more she loves her neighbors. And that, friends, is my prayer for all of us. Amen.